Hello and welcome to You Love to See It, the podcast where we watch TV shows and movies and tell you all about them. I'm your host, Merritt Kay, and joining me this week, uh, I have three, uh, three fanbite folks with me. Uh, we have Danielle Riendo. Hello. I'm very happy to be here today. Well, I'm happy to have you here today. Oh, thanks. Uh, we have LB Hunk Tears. Greetings, travelers. Greetings. And um, <clears throat> that will cut that. That's we'll cut that. That's nothing. Um, and we've got Jordan Mallory uh, <laughs> coming, stepping out from behind the mixers. Good evening. I'm Jordan Mallory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Author, visionary, podcaster. Plus <laughs> <Such> Dreamweaver. <laughs> you are kind of a Dreamweaver. Um, you've sort of weave all of our uh, threads together into a dream. That's kind of your job. And if you hadn't already guessed based on that or the title, because these always have titles when you look at them. So there's not really any way that we can do a build up to a reveal. Uh, we are talking about... Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, a British horror parody television series created for Channel 4 by Richard Iwadi and Matthew Holness. The show focuses on the fictional Hother, Hother, horror author, or Hother, <laughs> Garth Marenghi, played by Holness, and his publisher, Dean Lerner uh, Iwadi, characters who originated in the Garth Marenghi's Fright Night stage show. Dark Place is presented as a lost classic, uh, as a 1980s TV show that was never broadcast because it was too edgy for television. Uh, (laughs) And the episodes are interspersed with commentary for many of the original cast, uh, where characters such as Marenghi and Dean Lerner reflect on the process of making the show. The show also parodies the aesthetics um, of low-budget television from the 80s, including the bad special effects, production gaffes, and musical choices, and the practice of including commentary tracks on DVD releases of old films and TV shows. Uh, now, Dark Place was broadcast in a late-night time slot, did not get much advertising, and had very poor viewing figures. But it went on to build up a, a fan base online, and it was rebroadcast and then released in DVD format. Uh, in 2005, the uh, Holness and Iowati were asked to write a script for a movie version. Um, I don't know if that had went anywhere, um, <laughs> but the show was later broadcast uh, on Adult Swim, which is how many Americans came to first see it. Yeah. Now, what is all of your uh, history with Dark Place? <sighs> I, uh, I first watched the show as I was introduced to it um, by, uh, I guess, maybe friend of the site, I guess, friend of mine, and probably a lot of people who are here, Kara, uh, our, our, our good friend who now writes video games, but used to write about video games. I was visiting her in Edinburgh, and uh, <laughs> she was like, I think you need to watch this. And she showed me the episode of The Scottish Invaders. Which is, I think, the fifth episode. Scotch of the Mist. Series? Yes. The Scotch Mist. Yes, that's the actual name of the episode. And I loved it and fell in love, but never really like looked it up again for some terrible reason. And then when Jordan 
uh, had suggested that we watch this for a You Love to See It, a seasonally appropriate but not too scary type of thing for You Love to See It, I immediately was overjoyed and, and started watching again. And It's really something special. My original exposure to this was on the Adult Swim broadcast. Oh, that nice. was. Mm. And, I think that uh, was in the early 2010s. Yeah, yeah that, sounds that sounds right. right. Uh, yeah, but it was... It kind of showed up on Adult Swim and then was never seen again. Sort of the same thing that happened in in the UK of just like uh, it's not it wasn't available on streaming services basically ever. Uh, there were DVD releases, but they were very limited and not in the region code that you would want over here. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah. Um, it was just being, yeah, I want to look up when exactly that was on Adult Swim. <laughs> yeah, I will say that the show is not easy to watch even now. If you're not in the UK, I think it's streaming in the UK on Channel 4's uh, service. I watched this on a pirate YouTube yeah. um, <laughs> because it's just impossible to find anywhere. Yeah, I think I mean, it's on Prime so- Video, but only, yeah, region locked as well. I mean, I saw it for originally on YouTube. Like, I remember uh, when YouTube first became a thing, like, all of these clips from these mid-2000s British, like, a lot of Channel 4 shows, like, kind of went pseudo, like, I guess what you would call viral now. Um, so, like, I, there was a joke I saw a while back about the guy who would always, like, he, the guy you'd smoke weed with who'd always make you watch Old Greg. Um, but I went to, this is such like a weird, I studied for a month in Berlin in college in like 2008. And I had a British girl in my dorm and I asked her about some of like the clips that I'd seen. And she was like, oh, these are all like, this is from the Mighty Boosh. This is from Dark Place. This Mm. is from Snuffbox. And I was like, oh shit, these are all these shows. And I was able to like find the full things and became like a complete freak for like all of of those shows pretty much. It is. Um, Yeah. The show debuted on Adult Swim in 2007. Really, oh, 2007. Okay. Yes. Damn. So I, I didn't. I definitely didn't old. catch it then. Oh the, wow! The perfect age wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that was right around the age that I was being exposed to other Adult Swim stuff too. I think because we, I didn't grow up with um, with Cartoon Network, as I've discussed mm-hmm. many times um, on this show. But we didn't have Cartoon Network. We didn't have a lot of this American stuff, and so. I was exposed to a lot of these things in college by American um, students who came to the same school that I went to and they would show me like C-Lab and like um, all of these other series that were sort of playing in a similar kind of space of like playing around with this retro imagery or like recalling these like earlier tropes. Um, And these were all the ultimate, yeah, like the weed shows, right? These were the, the, um, LB, like you said, someone would would just be like, oh, you got to watch this shit. It's fucking crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't see Dark Place until later. Um, I got into UK like short run sitcoms probably, I think in like grad school. Um, yeah. I 
<laughs> this guy I was dating uh, put on uh, that Mitchell and Webb look uh, one time oh, when I was perfect. over at his place. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was like, and the date was terrible, but I was like, what is this? Because this is good. I like this. Um, and that's sort of how I got into that, into Peep Show. And then through those shows into like, because all of these people basically have worked with one another at some point. Like it's a very mm-hmm. small industry, I feel like. And um, they all went to three colleges. They went to three colleges. Uh, yeah, they <laughs> all worked on the same BBC radio show. Like, yeah, yeah you can trace like... Um, you know, Matt Berry and uh, Richard Ayoade worked on the IT crowd together as well. Um, And a lot of other shows. So we had said that we were going to watch episodes one and six. I definitely watched episode one at like midnight on Friday night and then just continued watching all of them. (laughs) Like I just watched through the entire thing in basically one sitting. Um, there are only six episodes. There are only six episodes, so it's not like that long. But it's, it's like watching a movie, basically. Yeah. yeah. Episodes are like 23 minutes long. Bite-sized, nice little little uh, horror morsels. Yeah. A tasty chunk. Like mm-hmm. a nice little snack, mm-hmm. you know, for each one. I watched the first two, and then I had to, like, do laundry. And then I watched the sixth one. But I, compl- like, if I had... managed my chores time better this weekend i would have absolutely just sat through and watched all six because it's like it's such a delight i watched the first two with my partner who i introduced him to like all of this stuff so like way at the beginning of our relationship and uh like we went to the um snuff box like dvd release thing which was matt berry and rich vulture's show um that they had like weird like Real dweeby, like mid two thousands British comedy people were people that we were when we were first together. So it was like this nice little like, hey, remember when we first grew know each other? I was showing you all the stupid YouTube bullshit, and uh, yeah, it's so good. But it's like I'd forgotten how much I love just like the model of the hospital. Oh right, oh yeah. yeah. So one of the very low budget things that they do is. <laughs> they always have these establishing shots of dark place hospital and it's just the shittiest looking model (laughs) possible. Um, It's, it's wonderful. And we can talk about all of those little twists and things, because I think it's really interesting to intentionally make a show that, that imitates a specific style that is like technically incompetent because I think that takes like actually a lot of work to do. But it's beautifully made. I want to talk about the framing because uh, the framing is like every episode is introduced with Garth Marenghi reading from one of his books. um, (laughs) Blood, 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 his blood, blood. Um, And and then he sort of goes into a speech about how you know, he he has a simple mission to just, like, change the entire evolutionary course of man over a series of <laughs> half-hour episodes or something. Um, and how, you know, his vision was too incredible. And I feel like this is really speaking to something that might not be obvious to people who, like, don't know much about that era or weren't around. But it's sort of, like, speaking to the weird idolization of, like, Stephen King. Um, yeah. and similar horror writers who were getting all these like made for TV movies at the time who were really like blowing up as like popular, like mainstream figures. 
right? Yeah. And um and just this idea of them as these like just larger than life mysterious figures who were crafting these uh these like dark stories and um other like there are television shows that have played this straight too like yeah well even goosebumps did this right honestly yeah Yeah. like Like, goosebumps had rl stein just like hey kids this is gonna be a spooky one or like um spawn when spawn was adapted as a tv show um what's his name todd mcfarlane McFarlane. was like those do you know about hell let me wow, tell did you he really? about <laughs> hell. Oh my gosh. It's dark and piss is there. Um, <laughs> and it's the it's, exact same thing. It's like, it's yeah. this, but played straight. It's Todd McFarlane trying to seem really cool, telling you about his original character spot. Oh God. I this? feel like the Todd McFarlane, the Todd McFarlane intros were like a direct influence, like inspiration mm-hmm. because even like though the, sh- the way, it, like I'm looking at the, the way I'm looking at them now and like, even the way they're lit, like with the shadows and him like, Oh, I, you caught me at work. I don't yeah. know. There's something like the tone, like the overly dark tone just seems like, if you had to choose a slow searing ride on Satan's carousel, like, <laughs> that's that's a direct quote from a todd mcfarlane spawn intro oh that's i don't know amazing and it's always the first i think it's always so i i also i did exactly what lb did which is very funny to me that i watched the first two and was like oh god i want to watch every single one and just go all the way through and then of course my life got in the way and then i ended up watching the sixth one um but I think they're always the same, like, three shots that he yeah. with. Like, it's him reading the book in, like, a medium shot. And then it's him descending a haunted yep. staircase <laughs> yeah. in, like, a wider shot. And then him, like, opening a closet door, kind of. Like, it's a little hard it's, to, like. It's his spacious basement. Oh, right. His spacious right. basement door. Where he keeps all the tapes. Right, right, right. Because he has all the reels. Because he'll talk about, oh, this is a very special one. When he actually gets into the the episode itself, so it's always like the same shots, the same framing, it's the same lighting and like sound design, and it's God just gives me great joy, just great joy to look at, to look upon. <laughs> My mom like references this show all the time so. oh my god like she's a writer and she's like will jokingly refer to herself as a humble fa- fabulist <laughs> i believe if you look at her twitter bio she calls herself a fabulist in it and your it's mom's a on joke. twitter yeah she's my mom's on twitter shout out to it's- twitter moms oh my god your mom is the coolest person lb honestly our moms should follow each other on twitter my mom is also on twitter <laughs> my god they should be twitter pals We'll I'll, I'll ask her about it. I need to call her. I'm in big. I'm in big trouble. I haven't called, talked to her in a really long time. <laughs> no. but like, yeah, I'm sorry. Mom. Just lead with this. Lead with like, hey mom, I've been hey, watching mom, Dark Place. <laughs> remember, you're humble, fabulous. But like, she she'll say it all the time. She like. So when he said it, I was like, oh no, mom. Oh. Hey mom, I just watched Dark Place. Is a much better opener than Hey mom, I just watched Hereditary. <laughs> that's a really good point. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really that's good true. point. <laughs> So uh, one thing yeah, about the show sorry. is they really committed to the bit of it being a fake show um, or a real show, I guess. Um, like the credits, uh, the first time the credits roll, I think maybe after that there's a real credits or maybe it's yeah. just in the last episode, but it's always like 
uh, Garth Marenghi as Dr. Rick Douglas and everything like that. They, they released um, press releases at like trying to, talk about these people as if they were like real <laughs> actors. Did they really? Oh, they did. Fun. Uh, the Daily Telegraph published an article by Garth Marenghi. Um, <laughs> and, and I think some people actually thought that it was uh, real. That's great. <sighs> that's beautiful. Which is beautiful. Yeah, that's very good. That makes they me do su- like, sing. They do such a convincing job of and like it's it gets more convincing as the show goes on, I think, because that first the the amount of like jank in the first episode <laughs> versus the sixth episode, yeah. I think like by the time they got to the sixth episode, it, it kind of dialed it back a little bit because yeah. I think with the first episode, they really wanted you to get what was happening. So there's yeah. like that amazing shot of um oh god, what's her name, Liz? Uh, <laughs> yes, the, showing up for her first day as the doc- as a new doctor that and walk. like. She she walks, she's got this really weird walk, and like she puts her elbow on the counter and then lifts one hand to put it on her hip and then puts it back down instead. It's yeah. <laughs> like beautiful, pre-rehearsed, like they probably did, you know, who who knows how many takes to get it to look like it was the bad take, right? Yeah. And uh this this first episode is just has so many little mi- purposeful mistakes like that to communicate to you like what what exactly you're getting into of shots that go on for like a second and a half too long because the editing is supposed to have been bad or uh, bizarre directorial uh, decisions that Garth Marenghi supposedly made because he Mm -hmm. wrote directed and starred in the show. Uh, There'll be, there'll be cuts in um, Ayoade plays Dean Lerner, who is, the publisher who's also in the show and is not an actor (laughs) and his every scene with him is a complete joy but there's a lot of scenes with him that like just cut from one take to another Mm -hmm. take in the middle of him talking and like sometimes props will be different between takes it's a it's a really beautiful like like you were saying Merritt like something that's actually really difficult to do yeah uh, well and have it something that's difficult to do convincingly Mm -hmm. it's very like he'll often look into the frame for like a split second and Mm -hmm. that's what they cut on which is amazing i i was of the impression and i honestly could be wrong but i read this somewhere and so take this with a grain of salt that the reason why they didn't make more of these is that it was actually really genuinely technically difficult to make it look this bad without it being like frankly exhausting like if something you could easily make just a bad thing and it could be funny at points, but also just exhausting, like just okay. truly exhausting. This is bad in the most perfect ways where like somebody took a surgical scalpel to it to make it yeah. perfectly bad, which is crafted. truly hard to do. <laughs> and there's- I mean, the the composer, the guy who composed the, the like purposefully stupid and bad score Got nominated for a BAFTA for best composer. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's like, like the craft in this is the. I mean, the thing with like the model is a really great example because it's so corny and so cheesy and like so handmade, so detailed mm-hmm. in a bat, like like so carefully done. The like the little cuts 
between uh, Richard Iowati, like, there are a ton of them in the first episode, especially with him, like, there's, where there's a scene where he's holding, like, a, he has a shotgun, he's always, he's always shooting. He always has a shotgun. Uh, But, like, they'll switch, like, they'll do a cut and he'll be holding a cup instead. And he keeps, like, looking at the camera with this air of, like, small desperation um <laughs> because the bit is that D- he's a that dean learner is a is the is garth Marenghi's publisher has never acted before but garth Marenghi says no i don't want you to put on an act i want you to put on the truth, <laughs> the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so the thing is that he's this completely inexperienced actor who's just like really freaked out the whole time <laughs> and like the, these tiny little things like the second like the second episode the way they have the they have it's like a telekinesis thing and they have this one shot where they're following a evil stapler that is like so technically beautifully done but in a way that is funny and like hides from you the fact that it's beautifully done mm-hmm. and that's the whole show the whole show is just like this exquisitely crafted thing that is also crafted in a way that is hiding from you that it is done well yeah and they never cheat right. with that stuff like <laughs> right. yeah. they, they never and, um, it's never like oh well we wanted to we're using a computer to fake this vhs noise yeah or something like that yeah like, yeah and i think that that's probably part of what danielle was talking about of, of it being just such an exhaustive process of like all like the 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 macro the shots of the model and like the blue screen that they have to do in the last episode to get yeah. the the weird the the mist fog the broccoli fog to <laughs> the look broccoli right fog. Uh, <laughs> and like all the practical effects that went into it like they really went hard they didn't have to go this hard but yeah. Garth Marenghi did go this hard <laughs> you know he an, has the, an eagle-eyed oh, sorry, viewer might be able to see the wires. <laughs> <laughs> a, a pedant might be able to see the wires but you know if you go to a punch and judy show and you're only watching the wires you're a freak <laughs> oh yeah God. it's it's a it's a genuine delight like i keep like just giggling and cackling in the background but i i just can't say enough good things about the filmmaking itself and the editing itself which as little miss editor of the world who loves the process of film editing and what it can do for something it's a joy to behold and also like supports this just so i I went to fucking film school and like i knew so many garth Marenghi's. it's not even funny like just (laughs) the fuck they didn't know obviously that they were Uh Marenghi's, but like they just there was a fucking i hope i don't get in trouble for i'll just like use a different like metaphor like a Forest of Darkness, like, was the name of, like, an experimental movie they made. And it was, like, oh a dark God. figure in the woods. Like, for fucking real. So, watching this is just the most guy-in-your-MFA vibes for me. Like, a hundred percent. Which also gives me joy because, of course, this is a very tongue-in-cheek and, like, sweet and wonderful show uh, in every possible way. The last thing yeah. I want to say just about the model of the hospital is that sometimes they use like freaky deaky sound effects, but there are times during the quote normal periods of, of episodes where they use like street noise. And that <laughs> hospital is clearly in like a, a hellbound hill, like far away from everything else. And they use like, mm-hmm. re- like street noise, like, oh, you know, like cars honking and shit like that. And it, it's really good. Yeah, it, it feels like really... a visual novel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It does. It does. Yeah, the the 
it, spend, if you're not going to watch this show, spend 30 seconds in the YouTube on YouTube to at least find out what this fucking model looks like. Because like the <laughs> the landscape that they have it in is this like hell blasted, barren, you know, abandoned for hundreds of years, never once seen the growth of life kind of like just destitute field and there's mm-hmm. and there's no there's no parking lot there's no support infrastructure around this hospital it's just a building that they put on this fucking warhammer 40,000 ass uh map and it's so good but yeah danielle like the the foley is a good thing to point out like they really hammer home that like bad decisions in the fiction of this bad decisions were made at every level <laughs> Yeah, and th- in order to do that, they had to make in the actual production of the show, they had to make good decisions at every level. They had to make good bad decisions at every yes. turn. And in order to know what the like, this stuff is so hard because in order to know what the bad decision is, you have to know what the good decision is, and then go in the opposite direction. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> God. Merritt, what happens in this first episode? God. Okay. So. <laughs> The first episode, basically, we get the introduction of Madeline Wool. Uh, well, sorry, Liz Asher, who is played by Madeline Wool, who is played by Alice Lowe. And um, she shows up to start her job at Dark Place. And uh, there's this great line of like, um, when she's talking to the, like, the, the reception guy. And um, he's like, oh, okay, yep, good to meet you. And she's like, Oh, do I have time to go to the loo? And he's like, not really. I've just called Dr. Sanchez here. And he just shows up and is like, you're a woman. Uh, <laughs> it's the 20th century though. Many people wouldn't like to admit it. And Matt Berry. Okay. Matt Berry is one of my favorite actors. Um, he's a delight. He's a delight in the show and in pretty much everything. He plays Dr. Lucian Sanchez, who <laughs> all of his lines are 80 yard. I don't know if you noticed. Yes. But like, yes. Literally everything he says is is ADR. Um, and uh, ADR in this first episode, especially. Yeah, and he, all of his readings are just like completely unhinged, uh, and um, he carries uh, two handguns. <laughs> and, all t- and everybody's a doctor, I guess. Everyone's like- a doctor. And everyone has a gun. Carries guns, um, and. Um, yeah, basically, she shows up and has a vision, and there's a scene where she's shaking his hand and having a vision, and they're both just screaming, and it goes on for like thirty <laughs> seconds. That's incredible. It's um, a really good shot of like Matt Berry doing the scream and like l- kind of looking out of frame to make sure he's mm-hmm. still supposed to be doing the scream for that long. <laughs> it's really good, yeah. and. and uh, uh, yeah, basically they find out that uh she collapses and falls she, to the yeah, floor. Yeah, she collapses and uh we, you're sort of introduced to everybody and we find out that uh Rick Douglas uh used to be a warlock who uh <laughs> with his friend, I forget the friend's name. Um but oh God. Uh, I watched Larry? it this that sounds it Larry? right. I, I watched it I this believe morning it's and I've Larry. already forgotten. Uh, his name is not the important well, it's thing his, about it's that his, It's his buddy. Right. Yeah. yeah. They used to... Um, <laughs> they used to be buddies. They used this, to be buddies and used to do dark magics. They uh, made a pact to 
push each other's understandings of the universe or something like that. Uh, right, 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 yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Larry. And uh, one night they uh, opened the gates of hell. Uh, Larry opened the gates of hell while he wa- went off to like get a sandwich or something. He was and, making them uh, some kind of like mixed drink. Yes, there's yeah. that really incredible shot of him coming back to find see what happened to Larry. <laughs> yeah. And he's got those two like fancy cocktails. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, God, yeah. So he had closed the gates of hell, but uh, they <laughs> reopen when Larry explodes <laughs> uh, in this incredible effect of just like, it's just so gross. Yeah. Yep. Oh, when he explodes. When yeah. he explodes. Yeah. It's so, it's so it's amazing. It's incredible. And like, uh, <laughs> it's the grossest thing that happens in this show by a couple. Oh, mile. absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. He's reduced to a head and uh, Rick is like, you're going to make it, buddy. You're going to make it through this. And he's like, no, no, I'm just dead. Kill me. And he's just like, and it's this dramatic moment where he's like, okay, yes, I'll end your suffering and picks up a shovel. <laughs> That's somehow in the room. And the just fucking the hospital room. smashes him into the wall <laughs> with a shovel. Like golf swing style <laughs> after like another good 30 seconds of like, Cut to Garth Marenghi holding the shovel and screaming and cut back to Larry's head on the floor screaming and then cut back to Garth and then cut back to Larry. And it's it's a beautiful sequence. It's really good. After which uh, Dean Lerner, well, sorry, Thornton Reed, choose him out for using unorthodox methods. Um <laughs> i.e. a shovel. <laughs> And there, there's a great shot here of like Dean holding up the shovel, and, but it's not in frame right. So the frame kind of shifts <laughs> yeah. to fix the frame. And then Dean makes a gesture with his other hand and the frame shifts back over to catch the gesture and then pulls back to catch the shovel again. It's I just these li- it's these little moments like that. The editing to me is like the funniest stuff in this show. Like the writing is really strong in that. Uh, they really capture like this is going to sound like I'm trying to like epic dunk on Buffy and I'm not Mm -hmm. but like (laughs) like like narrative style writing in television of just like human beings do not talk this way and it's it's a you know a stylistic choice that the screenwriter whoever is making Uh, but and like there's a lot of there's a lot of really good dialogue like when, like Merritt was saying, whenever uh, Liz shows up for the first time and Sanchez goes, you're a woman. <laughs> and uh, Liz says, yes, I hope that's not a problem. I hope that's okay. <laughs> I hope that's okay. That's what she says. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of really good stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, the, these little moments with the with like the, the production errors are so hit so good. The way they have the way they break up the, ep- the original episodes with the interviews, mm-hmm. the explosion scene is like for me, like the best one, like the pitch perfect thing. Cause the explosion scene is so bonkers, disgusting, <laughs> stupid, absurd. Like it's just, it is like a nightmare thing. And then they cut to Garth Marenghi and Dean Lerner talking about explosion. <laughs> People yeah! exploding. 
<laughs> yeah. I don't and know. If... He's like, I've never exploded, but I know what it would be like. Don't ask me how. But did the like, Dean Lerner, like Richard Ayawadi doing this, like the amount that Dean Lerner fucking loves Garth Marenghi and mm-hmm. thinks he is the greatest artist of all time. <laughs> the delivery of this like little speech of like, I don't know whether someone close to Garth whether it was a colleague or a pet but you could tell that scene meant a lot to him like it's so heartfelt it is so tender it's just like like pitch perfectly done um dark place is not a show like there are shows where where people are doing a thing where they're playing a character making a bad show and they play it completely straight and it's kind of unwatchable um, yeah. as like a Decker fan. Like, I love that. But this isn't that. But they, where they do play it, th- but they do pick and choose their moments to play it perfectly straight. Mm-hmm. And they choose really good moments to play it perfectly straight. And like, this is one of them. Yeah. Um, even though you can kind of, there are moments where you can kind of see like Richard Iowati, especially doing these Dean Lerner things, like, like that they have cut right before he started laughing. Um, because <laughs> yeah. it's so fucking absurd. And yeah, I just like, I have such, I, I mean, I feel like it speaks to how like good, both the writing and the delivery is how many times we have just quoted these episodes <laughs> to mm-hmm. each other, just like in, just in recording this, like the, effect, like I have such affection for just for some of these fucking line reads. Um, yeah. Just <sighs> wonderful 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 stuff it's also like just to to speak i guess dunking on myself a little bit this is like the exact thing that my dumbass would make if i had any <laughs> budget whatsoever and like access to anything like this probably gayer because everything i write is gay but like legitimately like a medical drama with supernatural elements mm-hmm. is the thing i 1000 <laughs> percent would make in my life. And like, I made stupid, much stupider, much crappier versions of this when I was in film school. Like when I was in grad Mm. school for film, I made a very stupid, like show within a show thing that was about, it was called making gay magic. And it was about the people who thought they were making the greatest gay film of all time, like the greatest (laughs) lesbian film of all time. And included like a lot of anecdotes from like queer filmmakers and like weird stories that they had had and stupid shit like that. So like this, I I have a, a, just a dear place in my heart for the making of this incredible production and how I would make this if I could. (laughs) Does that still exist can we watch it? What's that? Oh, yeah, it's online. It is online. Yeah. Okay, great. It released on AfterEllen.com in 2009, and it was my graduate thesis film. It was a six-episode. Actually, it was. It was a six-episode mini uh, web miniseries. And, uh, yep, you can... I'm in it. I'm also in it. I'm the creepy director in it. No, I'm the director's creepy friend. That's who I am in it. Um, I have long hair, and it might be weird for y'all, but, yeah, it's... uh, (laughs) Yeah, and and just sort of uh, to that point, the scene in the credits and the credits are incredible too i I just have to mention them um where garth is carrying a baby away from an ambulance and it explodes (laughs) and he does like a tactical like a tactical like somersault with the baby Uh in his arms again that's the sort of thing i would do that's what i would make with this uh with this kind of budget 
So yeah, great moments. What happens after his unorthodox methods, Barrett? <laughs> Sorry, I just totally did No, that. it's good. <laughs> yeah, I also steamrolled. Um, yeah, I, there's a whole thing about how he needs to, they need to burn him, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, because otherwise he'll, he'll come back and, uh, do they just go right to the funeral? Yeah, it just cuts immediately so. to the I funeral. I believe we go straight to, yeah, to Garth, or not Garth, to, uh, Rick Douglas in the Garth Marenghi outfit of black leather jacket with all black oh, right. sunglasses. Like he's just wearing Garth Marenghi's clothes uh, walking to the, the funeral. Yeah. What a choice. Uh, <laughs> and we've got, um, is, uh, what's his name in, is Julian Barrett? The, That's Julian Barrett. Yeah. yeah he's right. The, he's, he's the, the he's vicar. The priest. Yeah. Uh, he's Douglas. not a vicar. He's a priest priest. Okay. He's a okay. he's a Catholic priest. Ah. Significantly. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. Um <laughs> giving the speech about how he exploded before his time and all this stuff. <laughs> God moves in mysterious ways. God moves in mysterious ways. Sometimes he hovers, then swoops in. <laughs> comes in from the side. Uh and uh yeah, of course Larry does come back. And uh, he pops out of his his coffin and his widow is like, no, don't shoot him. No, please. No, he's back. And uh, Garth Renge just fucking shoots her. Shoots her in the shoulder shoulder, to get her out of the way and then blows his head off. And then everyone takes out their guns. Um, uh, Thornton Reed pulls out his shotgun. (laughs) Matt Berry pulls out his handgun. And then he's got a flamethrower at one point. He's got a flamethrower at one point. Yeah. It's really great. The cuts back to Thornton Reed with his with his shotgun, just like indiscriminately blasting at nothing yeah. out of frame. Does he have the cigar in that scene? He does. I yeah, think he I does have the cigar that. in his mouth. It's so good. It really does like so I'm from I, I live in LA. I'm from LA. Um and I somehow ended up in this position in like after high school uh, where I would, where guys I went to high school with would like hit me up on Facebook messenger at like one in the morning and ask for feedback on their screenplays. This happened more than once with multiple people. Um, (laughs) And I said, sure. Cause I had insomnia and kind of like was had this morbid curiosity about what their screenplays were like. And they were all like like the seat this scene of like <laughs> everyone pulls out their guns and just start shooting and i just think about that every time i see this of like i'm not gonna name names wait but like played seriously right played completely like uh seriously. like a boondock saints kind of thing yes they were all boondock saints <laughs> but like i think about that i think there was one guy who was like a little bit tongue-in-cheek about it uh, who? So I started blasting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was I was image searching for that exactly. <laughs> oh God! Uh, but yeah, the the use of like guns and coffee and all these things, these like 
American edgy TV elements mm-hmm. of just like smoking. everyone's just slamming back up. Yeah, everyone's smoking all the time in this hospital. There's a bar, the hospital has a bar. Um, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, when in the first episode, uh, they rattle. I think it's the only time where they, they do this, where they they rattle off this like medical talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, so he's, good. He's and standing it's, in the middle of the hallway in the yeah. shot that is way too far back, and then another <laughs> this redheaded doctor that is I don't know if he's ever in the show again. I don't remember, but he steps in very awkwardly from off camera, and Garth says a bunch of total medical nonsense, and then like claps and says, "Let's get busy, people," and then just leaves. And it's to- it doesn't have anything to do with anything else that happens in the episode, and I don't mm-hmm. think it ever comes up ever again. No, and <laughs> great. all of that stuff. The like, because the idea is it's a show created by someone who really doesn't really know, like did no research. Yeah. Doesn't know anything. And it reminds me of this recurring bit in that Mitchell and Webb look about these two writers, these like two Hollywood writers who just like, (laughs) like write shows. And then you get to see sort of like clips of the show that they have made up. Um, Yeah. And one of them is like this. It's like a hospital show that's clearly written by people who just like have no idea what happens and just like sort of like make up a bunch of dialogue. Um, and you get basically this. Yeah. But it's, it's very funny. Episode one ends with the gates of hell having reopened. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, they just have to deal with with everything that comes out of that now. Do we get a rooftop monologue at the end of this one? Yes, I think that's our that's our first rooftop monologue. Okay. He leaves the funeral to say, I need to get some fresh air. Goes back to the hospital <laughs> so we can go to the roof. And says, please apologize to the widow. I did shoot her in the shoulder. <laughs> I think it's actually the mother, which is even better. Yeah, oh, that's my God. Like, oh, right. She's yes. just young, but has like gray hair. Yes. Yep. No, that's They've, right. Like, put that's spray right. painted her hair gray. But and, like, yeah, that's just the mom. Larry's supposed to have been in this hospital room for like who knows how long after <laughs> yeah. after he got possessed by the devil or whatever. Whenever him and Gar- Garth opened the the gates of hell in the basement, like how long has Larry been in like? Oh, that's a good quarantined in this hospital room because he's haunted, and the only reason that Garth goes to check on him is because Liz is psychic. Is how we know that all this bad stuff is going to happen. Yes. And Liz just gives him the, the room number and says that that's where her vision, she has a vision of like the room covered in viscera. Um, (laughs) And as soon as Garth opens the door, Larry like vibrates and explodes within like five seconds of him even being there. Uh, (laughs) I just love this idea of, the, there's the the mom at the end who's like, no, my son is back finally. But like, has has she seen him? How long has it been? Did she even know he was alive still? Because he was trapped in this hospital room. There's a lot of questions. Yeah, uh, no one's quite sure. No one's quite <laughs> sure. If you're looking at the questions and not the story, <laughs> you're freaking. You're a freak. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just trying to paraphrase the, um, the man himself. So. Not all of us watched the uh, the middle episodes, but I do want to just t- hit some highlights. Um, yes, episode please. episode two is basically uh, Liz, uh, her psychic powers go out of control and she is attacking everyone with um, just flying objects. And there's one <laughs> point at which um, 
Todd Rivers' gun turns against him, so he takes out his other gun and shoots <laughs> it. <laughs> it's also like, if if I may say briefly, this whole episode is just like, she's mad because everybody's a sexist asshole around mm-hmm. her. And like, mm-hmm. expe- she's a doctor, but they expect her to like get food and coffee and things for them. And like, Dean Lerner has all these lines about, I think it's her mm-hmm. time of the month. Like, and it's just, the whole thing is just... A stupid fucking PMS joke, which is real good, especially considering also, what actual women doctors have to deal with sometimes. So it's yeah, big. yeah. There's also the great part at the beginning with the the chef. They're all waiting online yes! to get food, and they're just like, "Where's the chicken?" And he just like comes out, and it's just like, "I'll give you chicken when it's time for the chicken." All right, it's I, I'm working on the chicken, and then just goes back and it's like everyone wants the like. It's just bizarre. <laughs> Um, I think that's um, that's Stephen Merchant. Stephen Merchant, yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah. famously the uh, voice of uh, Wheatley from Portal Two, yep. and the co-creator of The Office. Yep. But uh, episode three, Skipper the Eye Child, um, <laughs> is okay. So. <laughs> a man is impregnated by an eye, by a giant <laughs> eye, and then gives birth to an eye. And there's a great line where I think it's in this one where he's just like, but what I wanted to know was how an, how an eye could get another man pregnant. We'll probably never know. I'm not just saying that. We, you're not going to find out why. <laughs> um and he sort of like, uh, you know, tries to take care of this eye child because he's grieving for the loss of his half grasshopper grasshopper <laughs> son, who's this boy just with a grasshopper head who's really bad to look at, who uh, jumped too high and uh, jumped into a helicopter place, and that's how his son died. <laughs> Is it the is it the same? There's all these shots throughout the show of Gar spends thirty seconds talking to a sick child, mm-hmm. and, it's, oh, yeah. and it's and it's always like this ego shot for the character yep. Darth Meringi, Garth Meringi, and the the kid talking about how great he is, and they should pay you a hero's wage and <laughs> yeah. uh, stuff like that. I think I didn't watch. I think it's the same kid. Like it's the same actor I that's supposed so. to be different kids. I yeah. I didn't have time to look it up, but that's another. Speaking of kids, uh, that's another really funny little thing is that they always take these little diversions so mm-hmm. that Garth can they can remind you how good of a person Garth Marenghi is. Right. Yeah. Uh, Dean well, Lerner he also has his. The real Garth Marenghi does have his foundation mm-hmm. uh, for discovering untapped psychic ability in un- in underprivileged youth. <laughs> Uh, and they do like a really great stilted shout out to that in the second episode where Liz is wreaking havoc and Rick Daglas is walking running around there's like a voiceover of him being like she even got the kitty ward if only there was a if only there was a foundation out there that was tap that would research and discover untapped psychic abilities in in children maybe they would have been able to defend themselves like (laughs) It's just, it's very good. It's very good character development uh, throughout and uh, yeah, just good shit. 
Uh, Dean Lerner also uh, got into an argument with one of the child actors on set and smacked him. And uh, it was a whole thing. Oh, they no. also have an, don't they have an ongoing bit that Dean Lerner like keeps like implying that Dean Lerner keeps killing people has like killed a lot of people or it disappeared killed Liz. a lot of people. It's like, implied yeah. that he killed Liz. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, he killed, uh, so she, Madeline, her, yeah. her oh, actor Sorry, character yeah, that is level never of it. in. Yeah. yeah. So she's never interviewed or anything. And uh, it's, they talk about how she went missing at one point. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> no, really? and yeah. people, and people say that, that, uh, that, um, at one point, Dean's like, no, I, th- I think she's in the Eastern Bloc somewhere. And the interviewer is like, oh, you think she's alive? And he's like, no, no. I mean, I think she's dead in the Eastern Bloc, buried in the Eastern Bloc, if she got a burial. <laughs> she got wow. a burial. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Uh, episode four, The Apes of Wrath. Um, you know, it's something like uh, it's something like Planet of the Apes. I don't want to give it away. But uh-huh. it's it's what if people turn into some kind of animal? Uh, Julian Barrett and Noel Fielding are uh, both in this episode, which is fun. Um, oh people Boys. start turning into apes when they drink this glowing water, um, and uh, it's God. Uh, that's another thing. That whatever is wrong with the hospital that episode is always so obvious. Like so <laughs> hilariously over the top. Like we'll we'll get to another good example of this in the last episode, but nothing ab- like nothing about this is subtle in any way. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's sub- I mean subtext is for cowards, right? right I know authors yeah. who use subtext, and they're all cowards. <laughs> the amount that I like re- re- reference and quote this show was another thing I realized like watching it again. It was like I am constantly talking about Garth Marenghi's dark, dark place and just not realizing it because I've adopted so much of it into my just like because it's changed your whole wor- worldview. It it's, literally did. It did change yeah. my worldview. He did it, Garth. He did it. Um, episode five, Scotch Mist. Uh, <laughs> Incredible. A Scotch Mist descends on dark place because uh, Rick Douglas once insulted the Scottish people <laughs> and uh and they are out for revenge against him. And he has this great speech about uh, the time that he went to Scotland and it was just the worst thing in the world. And he ordered a cheeseburger at a fish and chips place and they handed him a piece of deep fried meat in a tissue. Um, and then he he went off on them and uh, they he encouraged their wrath. Um, and it, it's just really kind of funny to like the English sort of antipathy towards the Scottish like it's uh yeah um at one point his his hair changes colors they they turn his hair red (laughs) that part is very so silly very good I loved um this is a three-year-old memory uh, at this point, so forgive me if I'm wrong, but I do remember a monologue. Very, it's very clear in my head of Garth like talking about how like his writing was like facing prejudice, and, like trying to shed light on like prejudice in the world, and it's in this fucking unbelievably mm-hmm. stupid way, which I enjoyed. So, yeah, yeah, he's not prejudiced, but the working man is. 
And so you have to speak their language. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, good Christ. And uh, the final episode, which we did all watch, is yeah. The Creeping Moss from the Shores of Shagoth. And it's about <laughs> broccoli being <laughs> aliens. And broccoli is cannot real broccoli is canonically from space. Mm-hmm. From space. <laughs> yes. And it's an infection that turns people into broccoli. Um uh Todd Rivers, uh sorry, Lucian Sanchez. I, I keep getting them confused. Um Lucian Sanchez falls in love with uh well okay, back up, sorry. Uh there's a so- whole running bit where he sort of has a crush on uh Liz. And he keeps like making passes at her and she rebuffs him. And then the beginning of this episode, he gets this is the reason song. why I wanted us to do this one. It's yeah. incredible. It's uh, beautiful. He gets a song about how he's in love with her and he wishes he was as handsome as Rick Douglas. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's this uh, incredible, yeah. like Phil Collins esque 80s pop ballad. Uh, called One Track Lover. <laughs> and uh, Matt Berry has, per- there's videos of Matt Berry performing this live at various like stand up things that he's done. And this is actually him singing this too. Like he's got, yeah. a, good, he's got a good voice. No, he's released uh, albums. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a musician. Um, and it's, it's him talking about the lyrics are completely meaningless. Like, it's him talking about he's a one-track lover on a two-way lane and he's driving fast down the highway and but the temperature's too hot and he's driving way too fast and then Dean Lerner has a like a rap breakdown (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. very stilted uh, where he says that Liz is is, uh, smooth like ice (laughs) Uh, and it's, it's it's this music video segment where like Liz is in Garth's like house, I guess, or what what uh, Sanchez imagines Garth's house to be like, and it's just this endless black void full of picture frames. <laughs> and uh, Garth comes down a, a stairway in like this ridiculous like thigh length bathrobe, and he's got two fancy drinks. You know, uh, God, it's so good. It's a uh, an incredible song, and if you don't want to, if you don't watch the episode, at least go find the song on YouTube and listen to it. It's I'm pretty sure this song. was the Dark Place thing I saw, like on oh, one of those God. faded YouTube, like YouTube stoner nights, of uh, just being like, "Oh, you gotta check out this video. It's from some fucking British show. I don't know, but it's so good." Mm-hmm. Like, and I and then I asked, like, "What was this this thing?" And it was like, "Oh, this is from Dark Place." Okay, but yeah, this is like Matt Berry in this show. I love Matt Berry. I have loved Matt Berry for many, many years. <laughs> and I feel like of the things that he didn't like create himself, the two best uses of Matt Berry in history, this is a, a strong statement. And I'm going on record, are Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and now of what we do in the Shadows TV show. Like mm. the two like mm-hmm. pitch perfect using like every bit of Matt Berry that there is <laughs> that there is to perfection this is a man like everyone else on this show like know each other from fucking cambridge matt barry was a guy who worked at the tower of london 
in like period costume <laughs> and would do like scary spooky like oh do you want to get your head cut off well let me tell you about the history of the oh tower of god, london really? that was his old job before Holy he was like shit. a famous comedy man can you can you imagine god. being given a tour of the tower of london by matt fucking barry oh but god. just him doing like the his voice his actual, talk, his actual human man voice. Voice. want to die yeah, yeah. <laughs> talking about fucking tower of london shit that's incredible I, Those lucky ass people. I am so jealous. I would pay five hundred dollars to do that. Oh, that would be that would be a wonderful like cap to celebrate his career if he went back and just did it one time, oh God, <laughs> just yes. one time for us in the outfit. Matt, if you're listening, Matt, if you're for some well, we know he listening. listens to our show. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. he's like he's so good in this episode. He, uh, they actually have him as. Todd Rivers like doing the interview sections and he's like I guess supposed like they don't he's got this like very red drunk old actor nose um, <laughs> and his yeah. comments are all like just really banal and surface level and he just uh, he, but he delivers them like they're really insightful it's wonderful but yeah this song is <sighs> is like this song is what got me to dark place so thank you to one track lover <laughs> and to Matt Berry. It was Thank your you, triage Barry. into the ambulance bay. That is the dark place hospital. And that gives me joy. Like you wouldn't believe <laughs> the, the, um, the ambulance bay. That is not part of the model, but <laughs> one assumes this is maybe in the back. Yeah, it must be. That's where the street noise comes from. It's all the ambulances back there. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but his, uh, his heartbreak over Liz doesn't last for very long. Does it Merritt? Right, because he falls for this patient who uh, <laughs> who has been exposed to the broccoli gas, uh, the broccoli fog, and uh, they they sleep together. She uh, was brought in to for a routine surgery to have one of her toes shortened. Yes, it was really long, like a finger. like a finger. Uh, and then in what. Uh, Garth claims was a metaphor for HIV. Uh, he gets the broccoli <laughs> disease and uh, uh, has to have his genitals removed before it can spread. Um, and uh, I think Dean is like, he has had a. Uh, Thornton Reed has had one testicle removed or something. He was in the Korean War. He removed War. his own testicle dirt in the Korean War, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, and uh, Lucian is just like, that's not the same. That's just one thing. This is the whole the whole bit. Um, and uh, they do end up do- <laughs> cutting it all off. They sedate <laughs> him. And... Uh, uh, in a really incredible fight scene that they have, they do this cut. They do this. Oh my head god! They lost the Dean Lerner. Yeah, they lost the footage. <laughs> yeah, saying that they lost the footage for this fight scene, and it's very obviously like Dean reading from a teleprompter or like a cue card off <laughs> screen. Card, yeah, saying that yeah. they lost the footage, and it's his fault. It's his fault in a drink-related accident, <laughs> and that he's very sorry about it. But because of a, a girlfriend that one of them had at the time who was taking pictures on set, they were able to recreate the scene. And so basically what we get is a series of Polaroids narrated by 
Dean and Garth mm-hmm. uh, explaining that there was a fight and they sedated Lucian and uh, whisked him off to surgery and uh, and like during a, a harrowing surgery where Dean like cuts his thumb really bad. We <laughs> learn later. Uh, it's good or not. Yeah. Not Dean. I can't. Whatever the whatever Dean's character's name is, I can't remember. Thornton. It's Thornton. confusing. I I just love the broccoli character effects so much. She gets uh, regret like her fingertips turn into little broccoli. Yeah, uh-huh. little broccoli trees. Becomes her, eventually her a broccoli. Yeah, and it it was very good. And uh, the the only solution the solution to keep her from infecting anybody else is that they have to boil her. Right. Yeah. Uh and so they they wait they have this there's this scene where Garth is at her bedside and uh he's telling her that like she's going to go to sleep for a little bit and when she wakes up that her and Sanchez are going to be together and they're going to have a long and happy life and that you know she found a really good man and Sanchez and all this stuff and uh and she dies and then uh, he says, "All right, take her away." And it cut. It, the camera pulls out to reveal two chefs that have been at her, the foot of the <laughs> this whole time, and then they just wheel her away. Uh, it's very funny, but yeah, this whole thing is supposed to be like Garth Marenghi's attempt at bringing attention to the AIDS crisis, but yeah. his in, his solution the in, like. The only solution that he has for these people is to boil one of them and then to remove the genitalia from another one. Because he does promise that he'll get a replacement, though. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I forgot that at the end that he promises that he'll find a an adequate replacement. He says. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Linda is that her name? Mm-hmm. The broccoli woman. Uh, she on on her deathbed she gestures to Garth. Uh, a, and that she's got this gift for Sanchez and it's a wind chime that's been turned mm-hmm. into a dream catcher. Yeah. And he's, Garth doesn't know what it is. And Liz says, it's a dream catcher. And she's, he says, what is that? And Liz says, it's kind of like a wind chime. And Garth <laughs> says, well, why didn't you call it a wind chime from the beginning? It's like, it's t- very obviously actually a wind chime that someone like hot glued a dream catcher onto. <laughs> uh, and, and then at the end, Sanchez, uh, Garth gives the wind chime or the dream catcher wind chime to Sanchez saying that it's the last thing that Linda wanted him to have. And Sanchez says, no, you keep it for saving my life. <laughs> and uh, we at the end, we get another Garth on the rooftop and the camera pulls out to show the wind chime dream catcher <laughs> so, hanging so out there. Like, and like, that's it. <laughs> I just, it's so funny that that's the end of the fucking show. Yeah. Is that Sanchez gets his dick cut off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that and like that's the last thing that happens. Is like the one thing, the final like the final assurance of Garth as the most virile masculine person in the hospital. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord! So. Part of the framing of that, this like last episode is like the, the book that he, so like every episode starts with Garth Marenghi reading from one of his own books and he's reading this like love scene that he's written and he mentions that he like, he's like, I'm a horror writer, but I also write 
uh, something and erotica because I like to keep up with. Well, all I think the, it's you know, westerns and erotica. Westerns yeah. and erotica, yeah, <laughs> perfect, perfect. But there's this like overrunning thing that like this is his love. This is his episode about romance, like tragic mm-hmm. romance. This is his oh, Romeo yes. and Juliet, but less whiny. And they yeah. they have this like cut. Again, this like masterful juxtaposition of like the Todd Linda, like Todd and Linda are about to bone down and they cut away uh, because of Todd's like beautiful soup seduction. Um, And they (laughs) cut to Dean and Garth together talking about sex scenes (laughs) in literature and complaining about like crass sex writing. Uh And they just start rattling off these like just... (laughs) cringe-inducing, horrifying, like, genital-withering, <laughs> awful, awful, awful descriptions of, like, sex things that are, like, overly purple and flowery. And it's just, like... I have read, like, as someone who's read a lot of bad erotica, it is fucking wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> These just really gross, weird euphemisms. Mossy mound... Yeah. Yes! Oh, my God. It's so, oh God. It's so bad. It's so it's so bad. There's this my favorite line in this episode is when there's this scene at the beginning of the episode where uh Liz Liz our four main characters are talking to each other about the woman and they don't know what's wrong with her yet. And Liz says that she looks a little off color because she's turned green because of the alien broccoli (laughs) spore infection. And they all laugh. And uh, except for Sanchez, who's already fallen in love and he tells Liz to shut her mouth. uh, And then they cut back to Liz and she's got like day old dried on. crying Oh yeah. Tears. Yeah. It's great. Uh, And uh, Garth Marenghi, you know, or Rick Douglas says that, uh, you're out of line, Sanchez. That was fun. If we uh, if we lose our sense of humor, we might as well kill ourselves. <laughs> and uh, uh, and then, uh, uh, Thornton, yeah, yeah Thornton, Thornton says, yeah, the, the joke, the the jokes is why I got into medicine in the first place. That and the pussy, but that tried up ten years ago. <laughs> it's, it's like the grossest thing that he says. It's the most crass thing that he says over the course of the entire episode of like he's the whole. He's a vile. He's like he's a vile awful. man. He's yeah. awful, but like it's it's yeah, it's it's not good. But um God, it's the the absurdity of that joke sticks with me so much just because <laughs> what happened 10 years ago? Right. Like, it, it asks so it begs so many questions and of course they never address it again. But yeah. God, it's funny. It's there such a these- good moment. There are also these things like everyone's like, it's very unclear how old everyone is supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, so like Thornton Reed is actually supposed to be like very, like an old man. They I guess. call him old man often. Yeah. And like yeah. they, he like doesn't go with them to the, to investigate, you know, dangerous things. Cause he's old and they make a reference to him being old in the um, surgery thing. And he fought in the Korean war. Right. <laughs> It's unclear how old Liz is supposed to be. She just graduated from uh, Harvard, Yale. Harvard, right, College, Harvard, Yale. Yale. Harvard <laughs> College, Yale. Thank you. Yeah, Harvard <laughs> College, Yale. The top marks. Uh, and she's got some line about how, like, I may be a girl, but I'll be a woman. I'm almost a woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's stuff like that that's just like these great details of, I've, you know, and the, the, the Larry's mother. 
is the actress is so young you one assumes it's his widow like Mm -hmm. it's just ah again these like very very intentional choices that are supposed to look like mistakes are chef kiss beautiful i don't think like all the humor lands um some of it like it feels a little awkward to me but Mm -hmm. overall it's just such a well done thing that i have like so much affection for this last episode i think really uh is carried by the musical interlude Mm -hmm. uh there's some good stuff elsewhere in this episode but that's really like the crux the crux of the whole thing is that that music video is just so so strong the Uh, reveal that like when they have uh rick daglas looking or at the the sample of right. growth and then it's like in a microscope and he's looking and it's this tiny little broccoli floret. Yeah. It's like, it's such a good sight gag and also reminded me of, uh, look around you. Look around, mm. which pre, which I predates mm. this like quite a bit, but is also doing like a similar thing of just being this, like, uh, we're going to just exactly recreate the like visual and, tonal aesthetic style of like a weird old thing yeah um look around you was like basically a like a fake science show that i think also they got the same treatment that dark place and like mighty boosh etc got where it was on tv in england and then quite a bit later it showed up on like cartoon network in the united states yeah i wanted to ask everybody so like the only kind of negative that i put down just in general in my notes was kind of like Oh, that there isn't more of it because it's such a delight. But I think that's also actually a positive because if this had gone for long enough, it probably would have gotten exhausting. Um, And obviously it was probably exhausting to produce as well. But this type of humor, like I actually, I'm like overjoyed by the fact that I enjoyed this so much and was like having such a good time throughout. Uh, because this type of humor can get so exhausting so quickly. Like the amount of jokes that are just thrown at you from every angle, every mm-hmm. time, every way. Like there's a lot of slapstick humor. There's a lot of like somewhat more dry humor. And then there's also the sort of like inherent, like very clear, like sexism and misogyny that is obviously very much a part of the fiction that they're kind of commenting on. Like, oh, these sh- this shitty old 80s hospital with this you know, quote, old man who served in Korea and then also killed his co-star kind of thing. Like, yeah, oh, it's, also it can like, get so tiring so quickly. And I think they do a great job with it. And then also the fact that it's it's a it's a fleeting thing. It's a six episode thing that did not get exhausting, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. Well, you pay stuff differently if it's if it's going to be like yeah, a point. small thing. Like, yeah. if you know, it's going to be six episodes. You that's like you go as hard as is required you for the six for, for six yeah. episodes, yeah. Um, which I think they do a really good job of, and like pacing out the silliness with the dryness. The only thing that I think doesn't quite work for me is like I think they are trying to do stuff with like we're going to comment on sexism, we're going to comment on people being insensitive about you know sensitive issues, and like yeah. it mostly lands, but it doesn't like quite get there all the way mm-hmm. every time. Like I think the second episode. Uh, where they have Liz going crazy. Like that's the best job they do yeah, with being yeah. like Garth Marenghi is a sexist dipshit. Yeah. Uh, and he writes gross sexist stuff and he's, you know, likes to talk shit about his ex-wives very casually. Yeah. Um, and like the, 
the broccoli thing being an HIV metaphor, like mostly lands. Like they have the they have the line. I don't remember if it's Girth or Dean saying like nobody was talking about this back then. It was just us mm-hmm. and Princess Die, oh, right. and like that lands <laughs> fucking beautifully. Uh-huh. But but like there are these like little moments of awkwardness where you feel like they're still kind of feeling out how to joke about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. like that's really that that's like my only. I don't even call don't call it. I don't even call it a complaint. Just because I like appreciate people being ambitious yeah. and like I could feel the like well-meaningness of it. It's just like, yeah, that's my only, I always have to find like, here's the th- one thing that doesn't work. And that if that's the thing that like mostly works. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. Makes and this, sense. this being yeah. 2004, right. When yeah. this, when this debuted, yeah. there's uh, I'm surprised I was like, kind of, I haven't watched this probably you know, here or there, I've gone back and watched the music video or like checked out a couple of of bits that I remember, but I haven't like sat down and watched this show in at least a decade, probably. Yeah. And uh, I was expecting there to be a lot more that didn't land right in 2020. Yeah, a lot more objectionable shit. Yeah. Yeah. And like uh, IT crowd or Mighty Boosh level. Exactly. Which my other favorites at the time, which I watch now and I'm like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Exactly. Watch your face. Watch your face, Julian Barrett. What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And they all like, like you're saying, like 90% it hits. It's still, it's, it's still good. The only thing uh, I was kind of worried watching the six episode because I didn't remember any of the, all I remembered about it was the music video. I didn't remember (laughs) any of the, like uh, the like AIDS metaphor social awareness stuff and while watching it i was thinking like oh no am i gonna have to are we gonna have to have a discussion on the podcast about this being a problem but it's mostly not a problem so good job yeah (laughs) good job garth good job job, richard ayawade and matthew wholeness wholeness which which is yeah wholeness wholeness thank you what has he done this is the only thing that i've ever seen him in or known him as um as Garth himself yeah as Garth mm. uh, he's have, in have y'all the seen office him? I think the British the office he was in a episode correctly. of the office apparently oh only one episode all right never mind yeah. I thought he was so like he I haven't seen much office I'll be honest with you they had a spinoff of Dark Place that was a Dean Lerner talk show um, <laughs> where yes. every episode Dean Lerner interviews a different like celebrity and uh, Matthew Holness plays all these different guys um, so <laughs> that's the other thing I've kind of seen him do and that's more or less it I am not as like uh, apparently he's in the haunting of Bly Manor oh shit oh that's, my god perfect which is like new like that just yeah, like, came out that came out a few days ago yeah, yeah. oh wow uh, it's the follow-up to The Haunting of Hill House. I am immediately... I was going to watch that this weekend. Now it has just jumped to the front of mind. But it's it's not a comedy. Like, that's a serious... No, no, that's a real... Actual scary horror. show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that'll be really interesting to see how he does in that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's a character it? named Dominic Wingrave. Great fucking You know, name. with a name like that. <laughs> oh god i'm glad that we watched these me too yeah. me too i kind of like it does make me curious about watching the like richard iowati like i think he directed a movie that i haven't seen 
And like he directs this show so well. Um, yeah. That I'm like very curious about the movie he directed. I mean, he's always movie? been. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I don't remember. Honestly, like mostly the stuff I've seen him do recently have been his. He has like a travel show that I really like um, where he like takes a celebrity, another like British comedy celebrity, and they go on like a weekend trip somewhere. It isn't mm-hmm. actually just British people. He does like, I think he takes, uh, what's uh, a madman big dick guy's name? I forgot his name. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, uh, what? Know, guy from Mad Men. Ham. John Hamm. John Hamm. Oh. Takes John Hamm to Hong Kong. <laughs> and it's really cute. God, is that is that my mind just went to a that. different place? For Sorry, that. that's all. No, you're great. You're. I haven't great. seen Mad Men. Is it con- is it like the canon of the show that he has a big dick? He does. He does it. Yes. The rest sure. of life, though, right? Like just, John Hamm. That's like a thing he's famous. Yeah, it's for. like a thing he's famous for. Yeah, is I'm not necessarily in this show. <laughs> yeah, sorry. People found out about his dick, and now he's famous. It's just out there. Right. It's out there. It was an outfit thing, I think. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. sorry. I feel, yeah. Oh, did sorry he have for like, objectifying uh, John Hamm? Yeah, no, he had a very like, visual, very visible outline. There was a oh, yeah, okay. several times in his okay. life. Okay, okay. I thought I didn't real. Okay, that makes more sense. I thought <laughs> that this was just like common knowledge about John Hamm that circled around that circulated around Hollywood and is part of his no. like, mythos. <laughs> no, I mean, it it kind of is. Actually, right. But this was recent, right? This well, is the more recent thing that happened. Or like in the last like in the last decade. seven years or so. Oh, okay. Weird. Yeah, it's like right. yeah. Anyways, D- don't uh, worry. <laughs> Richard Sorry. I uh Richard, Richard Iwati, uh he directed the Vampire Weekend music video for Oxford Comma. Good. Very good. Wow. Good. I, uh, but yeah, I actually really do like his travel show. It's really cute. And I'm sorry for talking about dicks. Uh, but I have not seen Submarine, which is this coming of age movie um, from 20, like 2010 or something that I'm curious about it now. So, but yeah, there, good I vibes. Feel like there will be some, some good like spinoffs from watching this again. Like I, I absolutely want to go back and, and watch. Well, I need to watch the uh, middle episodes again as well. After the second one, like I need to watch three through five again. And then uh, we'll probably go right to Bly Manor because I've been wanting to watch that anyway. And uh, hey, it's always fun when we have like connective tissue from like, oh, they were in this and now let's watch this. Because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I like having some continuity in my life. Ayawadi has written three biographies. Oh, um, wow. Ayawadi uh, on Ayawadi, a cinematic odyssey. Good. Uh, oh, no, the- these are th- those are just books. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. Never mind. I'll cut this. Forget I said anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I misread is, bibliography as biography. That's it's what, okay. That's what I did. That would be amazing if he'd written three autobiographies. Between yeah, that's what I thought was happening. That's what I also thought. <laughs> that's very good. Oh, oh cool. wow. Well, Wait, he was in The Mandalorian? Oh, he was a voice, apparently, in The Mandalorian. He does like a lot of voice and hosting work now, which is like the ideal gig. It sounds like good. Well, what a show, what an incredible little ray of sunshine in our terrible world that this beautiful show is. Absolutely. I'm so glad that I finally watched the whole thing. Yeah. And, um, 
yeah, I guess that'll basically do it for this week. So um, where can people find you all online? I'll be you go first. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Hunketeers. Jordan, what about you? You can find me on Twitter at Jordan underscore Mallory. And you can listen to my mixtape at LilJordo.com. Yes. Is it? Well, I was going to ask, like, if you ever felt the need to do a good little rap interlude in the middle of a very 80s pop ballad. Um, <laughs> I, I have uh, always felt that need. You felt that need. Okay, good. Yes. Very good. If anybody uh, felt the need to follow me, I'm on Twitter at Danielle R.I. <laughs> and I'm on Twitter at Mary Kay. So, um... Yeah, I think that's it. So until next time, you'll love to see it.